Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Absolutely do it for Jesus. And Jesus, that's what we're told. Paul said, do it as unto Christ. Do it for the Lord. Um, then he tells us in verse 6, look down, it says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Anybody ever worked really hard when somebody was watching, but you know you were only working hard because they were watching? Not with eye service. Not just doing what they could see, but as a Christian employee, it should be different. Does your work ethic stand out from your fellow employees every day at work? There should be a noticeable difference in your drive and your honesty at work since you're representing God there to everyone else. Today, you're going to be encouraged from Pastor Bill to set an example at your job to make people realize you're serving God. Your attitude towards your boss, even if they're not a good one, should show respect and your quality of work should show Jesus living in you. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 as he begins his message, Worship While You Work. Well, you guys that have been following through the book of Ephesians with us, there's been a theme of submission over the last couple chapters. Uh, back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, we were told, submit to one another in the fear of God. So as believers, we were encouraged to, uh, just an attitude of believers, would, one another, that we would be submitted to one another, you know, uh, in the fear of the Lord. In chapter 5, verse 22, wives were told to be submissive to their own husbands as to the Lord. In Ephesians 5.25, husbands were told to, to submit to the Lord and loving our wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Last week, uh, we had the kids in and we looked at Ephesians 6.1-4, through 4, which told the kids to be submissive to their parents, to obey and honor their parents. Well, today, in verses 5-9, through 9, we look at the believer and the work environment and what that's supposed to look like. Um, I want to spend some time in the beginning kind of clearing up a misnomer. Uh, this is one of the passages of Scripture that gets used um, to suggest that Christianity was um, against black people. How many of you guys have heard this before, that Christianity is the white man's religion used to keep black people passive during slavery? How many of you guys heard that? Okay. Before I was a Christian, before I went to church, and before I ever read a Bible, I heard and believed it. That was one of my excuses why I don't do church. That's the white man's thing, gave it to us, keep us passive, white Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And that's one of those things that are said it's wrong, it's an error. So I'm assuming that the fact that y'all are sitting here, y'all already know it's not true, but I'm gonna explain why. So if somebody should suggest that to you, you could say, no, 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 this is what it means. And so it's a common lie um, that people are told and people tell. So. I'm going to read 5 through 9, and I'll go back through and we'll break it down piece by piece. But I'm going to read chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. When you get it, say, got it? All right. It says this, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, rather he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same thing to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven 
and there is no partiality with him. And so let's come back up to verse five. And it says the word in the New King James, it says bond servants. If you have an old King James Bible, it says slaves. Um, and so let me define that word. If you look it up in the Greek, that word is doulos. That's where most people translate it bond slave. And I'll explain that. Here's the definition of a doulos. It is uh, one who is in a permanent relation of servitude to another, his will altogether consumed in the will of the other. One more time, a bond servant is one who is in a permanent relation of servitude to another, his will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. And so a lot of the New Testament, when the books are opened up, James, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, believers took that term on willingly that I am a bond slave, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And there's two ways to become a bond servant. Well, there's three. Um, here were the three ways in that culture that you became a bond servant. And I want to distinguish it from what a lot of people do is we classify it with black slavery. And so I want to give the distinction. I guess I should first mention African slavery uh, for you guys that are not familiar with it. Most of us are. Uh, between the 16th and the 19th century, white people went to Africa and they took people against their will put them on ships and brought them to America and forced them into slave labor. Against their will, they were treated as property. They were not regarded as people. They were beat. They were abused. They were murdered. They were raped. That happened between the 16th and the 19th century. Now, if I read this and I have that in mind, I'm going to misunderstand God. You guys follow what I'm saying? If I read this, you know, bond service, be obedient to your masters. And I have in mind what happened in the 16th and the 19th century to black people. I'm going to say, why wouldn't God say something about that? that doesn't seem right to me. Well, that's not what's happening. But that's what some people do. They read this and they say, see, that's what they did then. Now, I'm not going to say that there weren't white people in that era that didn't pull this and misappropriate the scriptures. But we got people doing that in pulpits everywhere in America. There are people standing up right now on television that are opening up this book and saying what it doesn't mean for their own benefit. That's not a new trick of the devil. Amen? Amen. But we want to understand what it did mean. So for the people in Paul's day, when this was written, what God intended was this. Here are the three ways that you became a bond servant, a doulos, a servant, if you will. Um, number one was debt. Uh, I'm going to ask how many of you guys have debt. Don't raise your hands. How many of us have debt and how many hands will go up? So in this culture, today if you have debt, um, you get phone calls that you don't answer. You get packages in the mail that look like a check, but it's not a check. They're checking to see if they got you. Uh, you know, uh, they got all kinds of little tricky ways. If you have debt today, you got a poor credit rating. You got a bad score or whatever. And, you know, it's going to affect you when you go to try to buy something on credit because your credit is bad. In uh, this day, if you had bad credit, it was different. If you owed money, you couldn't pay money. If you owed enough and you couldn't pay, and they would come to your house and if you were in good enough shape, they could take you and say, you're going to come work that debt off at my house. If you got some healthy looking sons, uh, they say, I want him and him. They coming with me. They're going to work until they pay off. You owe $10,000. I'm taking all of them until it's paid off. That was the way that it was worked out. Now, you would go with the master or the owner of the property was that you owe money to. And you became his servant for a period of time until you paid your debt off. In the Old Testament, that was a way that people worked out deals. If you guys remember with Laban, uh, he wanted to marry uh, Rachel, and he worked how long? Seven, seven. seven years. He was a servant for seven years, and who did he get? Lekiah Leah. That's what this says. And so he worked seven more years, 14 years total, to finally get Rachel. And 
he became his servant for that period of time in order to get the woman of his dreams or whatever. And so that's what's in mind here. So debt was one way. Um, you were there until the debt was paid off. You were free to go. But while you were there, you paid off your debt. That was one way. Uh, second way was if you were a conquered people. Um, if Rome went in and conquered a people and decided that instead of killing you, I will die or be a slave. You know, I'll do the slave thing. You got me, you know. Um, that was one way in that era that you became a slave as a conquered people um, through war and things like that that would take place. The most common way was the employer-employer relationship. So in that day, let's say you couldn't provide for yourself, you couldn't make a living, um, but there were a wealthy man who had a large dwelling, had land and animals and everything else, and so he would hire servants. You would live with him. Um, you would live on his property. You would, you know, take whatever responsibility you were given, and that's how you provide. That's how you were provided for. You came under this person's household um, as a servant, and you worked there, and that's how you were provided for. If you guys remember the story of the prodigal son, remember he wanted his inheritance early. He left with it, and when he came to himself, he said, "My dad have hired. I'm about to eat pig food, and my father has hired servants that are living better than me. I'm gonna go home." And I'm going to say, Dad, I'm not worthy to be your son, but let me be like one of your servants, your doulos, the people that live here and serve. Let me be like one of them. And so it was more of an employer-employer thing. And so today, um, I know that none of us are slaves in the sense of conquered people, you know, because you wouldn't be here today. Y'all free. We know that most of you guys, if you are in debt, you know, now you may have to work because you have to work to pay off your debt. So some of y'all might be in that situation. But for most of you, if you have a job, you're in the employee-employer situation. And so that's where we're going to draw our application from today. So now back to verse 5, when Paul says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. Um, the attitude of a, if you're an employee and you work for someone, Paul is saying as a Christian employee, you should be a different kind of employee. You shouldn't be like the non-believers that work at your job if you're a believer at your job. He says, you should be obedient to those that are over you. So something that I would ask everybody here that has a job and you work for someone, how's your attitude toward those who you work for? Is it good or bad? Do you respond well or poorly? Are you obedient? Do you do what you're asked to do? God is saying, if you're a Christian employee, you should be a good one. You should be one that they say, man, I need 10 more just like you. Where you guys come from? What church are y'all from? I'm going to come to your church. I need 10 people to hire. You know, you want to have that kind of testimony. So he says, be obedient to your masters according to the flesh. These people are only over you in a limited way. They're not over you spiritually uh, according to the flesh. They're telling you what to do for work. Um, it says, with fear and trembling, the idea here is not terror. The idea is with reverence. Um, and so everybody consider if there's someone that you respect or reverence, you speak to them a certain way. Um, we shouldn't be disrespectful to those that are over us in the workplace. And here's the idea, but they might be disrespectful to you. You might be here saying, ah, oh, but you don't know my boss. I got a bad boss. And they, they talk to us crazy. They be cussing and fussing and yelling and this, that, and the other. But he says, but you, as a Christian employee, obedient and with respect in, in terms of how you deal with, how you speak, how you respond. Then it says, in sincerity of heart. So you're not here faking it. But in sincerity, that the Lord has really apprehended your heart. You're not having to fake it or muster it up. In sincerity of heart, I can be this way towards the people that are over me. And I said this to the last service, you know, how do you get to a place where in sincerity of heart, 
You can be good to someone that's bad to you, someone that treats you poorly, someone that's not kind to you. And if you work for someone that treats you like that, I believe that as you pray for them, God will give you a different heart for them. Um, Some of us are dealing with difficult people. Maybe you're over or under someone difficult. How do you get to where I can, in sincerity, I can be right with these people? Pray for them. You pray for them until God changes your heart. Sometimes we're praying for people that God would fix them. And I'm not saying pray them David prayers. God, break their teeth in their mouth. You know, make them crash on the way to work. Show them who's boss, you know. But I'm saying you pray for them. Lord, I don't know what's wrong with them, that they come in here acting like that. I don't know what's broken in their life. But I'm praying that you would meet them, that you would help them, that you would comfort them, that you would. God, I'm praying for them. And you'll pray for someone enough. God will change your heart. You'll be tender. In your heart, it'll be sincere. You won't have to fake it. So if you are in that situation, that's what you can do, right? So in sincerity of heart, and the last thing it says in verse five is ask to Christ, right? I'm doing this. I'm not doing it for you, boss. I'm doing it for Christ. And I want you to consider that I'm not doing it because maybe I would never do it for them, but I would do it for Jesus. And maybe as you look at your boss or those over you, I would never do this for him or her. But I would absolutely do it for Jesus. And Jesus, that's what we're told. Paul said, do it as unto Christ. Do it for the Lord. Um, Then he tells us in verse 6, look down and says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Anybody ever worked really hard when somebody was watching, but you know you were only working hard because they were watching? Not with eye service. Not just doing when they could see, but... As a Christian employee, it should be different. When I was a kid, before my parents divorced, my dad had put this garage door up and a front door that they were both the same kind of wood. But it was the dumbest thing in the world because it had some kind of coating on it and you had to keep wiping. I don't know what the solution was, but you had to get a towel. I had to get it. It was my job when my dad left. And you had to wipe the thing down from top to bottom. You had to go with the slant. Uh, And if you didn't do it, the sun would get on it and the water, you see all the spots and everything else. So that would be my job. And I remember I hated that job. And but I had found a trick when I wanted to go play real quick. You know, if you sprayed the water hose, it would give the illusion that I had done it, but it would just last like 30 minutes. And so there were times where I confess my mom was looking. I was out there wiping and they see what I'm doing. Mom, I'm doing a hard job. I'm doing a good job. And then she would go away and I would spray it and say, come look, come look. And she would see it was all done so I can go play. But about, you know, a couple, two, three hours later, you know, I'd be exposed by the sunlight or whatever. And so God says, don't serve with eye service. Don't be one that's just only as good as you can be seen because you're a believer. This should be a distinction about our service. And so not with eye service as men pleasers. I would be so annoyed at my old church. There would be people who, when the pastor was around, they became a different person. You know, they might be walked by a piece of trash five times, but they see the pastor, pick that up. I got that pastor. No problem. I got that. If I wasn't going to pick it up when you weren't there, I wasn't going to pick it up when you were there because I wasn't going to pick it up, you know. Um, but some people are that way. They're men pleasers in front of, in front of other people. We want to do what we do is unto the Lord and let people see whatever that is. Um, but he says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. God says, when you go to work, I want you to see your work as your opportunity. You work for me. I'm your boss, right? That guy is not your boss. That lady is not your boss. I'm your boss. You work for me. And maybe what you would never do for them, you would do for me, and it would distinguish you. Imagine if all Christians went to work and they just worked as if they were working for Jesus. 
imagine how, as a boss, I don't know what it is about these people, but these are my favorite people to hire. I will hire from them all day. I know somebody who had a building. They own um, some buildings. And first, they had to build and rent it out to whoever. And then they had a couple people from our old church that rented. And they were like, what, what church are y'all from? And this is what they started doing. I kid you not. They started giving preference. Whenever a room would open up, they would ask people in the building from the church, is there anybody from your church looking for a place? Because we'll start with them. And when I had young couples get married, I would give them their information and they would say they got a waiting list of people waiting but they were like we're we're preferring to put people in this building from the church because they tend to treat our place better um and the way they behave in the place and so i thought wow what a great testimony that it said about the majority of people that were christians that were living there this owner is saying i'd rather rent to them than anybody else it said something about the testimony left by the believers that were there. And I believe that God is saying, look, as employees, as workers, that's what I want you to be. I want there to be such a strong testimony that people would see the difference in you. And I believe it would be an opportunity to witness for the Lord. Why do you do what you do for the Lord? Even as you work with other people, you work next to people as they're complaining and they're mad and they're like, I can't stand the boss. I can't believe this. Um, should you be part of that conversation? No, no. I always think it's funny when Christians get the job that they wanted one time, at one point in time, they prayed for it, God gave it to them, and then it's after you get it and you get frustrated with the people there that you start to complain to God about the job that was an answer to prayer from him earlier on, you know? Be careful about that. Be careful about that. God, this, this job you gave me, really? That's how you feel? <laughs> I remember when you was asking me for that job, you know? Um, this, what I'm doing right now, you guys, there was a day where this was my supreme prayer. God, I want to start a church in Inglewood. Lord, I want to be able to do what I see over here, over here. Lord, let me do it. It's been a blessing. We're look, over seven years in. There have been days. There have been moments where because of warfare and difficulty, where it's like, man, and the Lord always takes, remember? Remember? Just what you asked me. Yes, it is. And I still love that this is what I get to do. But it'd be a lie if I didn't say there were days. There are days where you're like, man, this is difficult. There are challenges. There are things that rise up. But this is what I believe God called me to do. I don't want to do anything else. This is it. And you may not feel that way about the job you have right now. You may not feel like this is what I want to do the rest of my life. That's okay. The shortest route out, if something is not to be permanent, is faithfulness. Right? Your faithfulness to what you have right now is the shortest route to what God has next. You're not going to be unfaithful with what you have today. And expect God to move you along, you know. Uh, some people, that's what they, I'm going to be unfaithful and complain and be a bad example and looking for God to bless me with the next thing. That's not how it works. God honors faithfulness. And so if you're in a situation where you're like, this is not what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And many of us are. I've had many jobs that I knew when I got them. I know I'm not doing this the rest of my life, but I'm doing it today. And just be faithful with it today, knowing that God has something else for you as you're faithful today with what you have. Amen. And so not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Um, then he says in verse seven, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. With good will, this is a matter of the attitude that your heart is just to do good to those around you. You're at work doing your job and you got good will toward the people around you. 
Uh, anybody ever worked in a work environment that was cutthroat and people were trying to step on one another to get ahead of the other person? You can't be part of that. As believers, we just know some things that they don't know. I know that for me, I don't have to step over you to get where God is going to take me. For me, it's not a win if you lose. I don't need you to lose for me to win as a believer. Everything I have is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. You got to believe that with your whole heart. Everything that God has for you, you got to believe that all you got to do is walk with him in order to have it. I don't have to put you down. I don't have to tell the boss nasty things about you. I just got to be faithful to the Lord. Everything I have is wrapped up in Jesus. Everything I'm supposed to get is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. All I got to do is walk with him and live for him. And if I'm supposed to get it, I'm going to get it. If I don't get it, I wasn't supposed to get it. And I live with that. You just you keep it moving. Don't be the one complaining. They didn't hire me because this person over here. and this You know, I hate to hear Christians talk like that. I hear Christians say, well, you know, it was a racial thing, man. They didn't hire me. Really? God not bigger than that? Doesn't he open doors? No man shut. And he shut doors. No man open. I wouldn't give men that much credit. I don't believe you can shut a door on me that God is opening. And so that's how we need to believe and speak. You're in charge. You're the man there. You may be the one that says yes or no, but ultimately it's from the Lord. God, if you say yes, they say yes. And if you say no, the no is from you. He may be the one shutting the door, but the no is from the Lord. I can still love you that said no and keep it moving to see where the yes is. It'll keep us from living like everybody else where we're mad at the stuff we're not supposed to be mad at. You know, trying to kick down doors that the Lord is just not opening. And if the Lord shut the door, you didn't want it, right? If the Lord says that's not for you, when we first started the church, you know, I worked at a church for 11 years. And so that looks weird on a resume when you start looking for jobs. So I was getting turned down everywhere I went. What were you doing the last 11 years? I was a pastor on staff at a church. What is that? I teach the Bible. I study. I counsel. I do this and that. And it just didn't seem like it fit. Now, I went and applied for a job at Terminex. I thought, surely I can kill roaches and bugs, you know? I mean, at least I could get that job. I mean, who couldn't get a job killing roaches? I'm at the third interview at Terminex, and again, I'm thinking, I have to be able to get this job. I'll at least have a job while I look for something else, you know? And I get to the third interview, I did the background, all the stuff, and the guy said, well, well, I'm looking at your thing, man. Explain to me what a week looked like for you at work. And I explained what a week a pastor looked like. He said, well, I just don't know if you cut out for this. You know, you got to go under house. I understand that. I'm good with that. But it's, it's dirty. You got to go. In. I said, I'm good with that. He's looking at my fingers. I'm at an interview. Was I supposed to come dirty? Like, give me the job already. And he told me, he said, man, I really like you. I just don't think this is cut out for you. And I remember leaving there saying, I mean, I can't get a job killing roaches, Lord. Like, what is the deal? But somebody else got the job. And I realized after the fact that I wanted a job while I was still doing ministry, that that job, it was way he was working six days a week, 14 hours a day, coming home wasted. And I was like, yeah, that wouldn't have worked for what I was trying to do ministry wise at that time. And so that guy told me no, but the Lord said no. Right. The Lord is the one that shut the door. And so uh, I look back. I'm glad I didn't get the job at Terminex. I'm glad I didn't have to kill roaches for a living, you know, for the time. I ended up killing roaches for another company, but, you know, that's another story. So I still got my roach on. So moving on to verse 8, he says, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. God says, whatever good that you've done, you're going to receive from the Lord. And so... We shouldn't be looking for it from people because maybe you work really hard and your boss 
doesn't acknowledge it. They don't reward it. They don't bonus you for it. Um, they don't thank you. Maybe you serve and no one says, boy, what a great job. No one seems to acknowledge. Well, if you work for the Lord, he ever missed a single thing that you've ever done unto him, ever. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Ephesians, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, Paul explains that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like. What matters is that Christ unites us as one. In Jesus, we all belong. Do you ever let differences hinder you from having genuine relationships? Do you let cultures or skin color get in the way of Christ-like living? Paul knew that although differences can be difficult to process, unity is the heart of God. To be one with each other is to be one with the Father. We hope you continue to learn more from this book and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. We pray you continue to seek Jesus in all you do. Thanks again for joining us. And be sure to catch us next time right here on A Transforming Word. Oh, 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 oh